Hello and welcome into Fantasy Focus. My name is Daniel Dopp. Today's show is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico. See all the ways that you could save. It is Wednesday, July 12th, and I am here alone in the studio. This is my John Travolta moment, right? I'm looking around. Where is everybody? Don't worry. Don't worry. We've got it covered because my best friend Liz Loza is going to join us on the show today. Really excited to be able to have just Liz and I be able to break down a bunch of running back question marks. But first, before we get into all of that, a reminder, the show is every Wednesday right now at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and the ESPN app. And a reminder, the 2023 Fantasy Football game is live, so you can go in and start your leagues. You can do mock drafts, start all of your prep. And with that being said, Liz, I want to bring you in here because you and I had like a 90-minute phone call yesterday. We were talking about all the things that we were going to do to prep for this show, a lot of stuff that we are pumped about, but first and foremost... How are things out there in sunny California? Everything is wonderful. The sun is shining. Scott Fishbowl is happening. The only thing that we're lacking is a hologram of me next to you, frankly. That's really what it is. Yeah. In fact, I would actually uh, pass on the hologram and just take the real thing sitting here. I would love to have you in studio across from me. But this is the next best thing as far as I'm concerned. So pumped to be able to have you join us, Liz. We're going to talk about a bunch of running backs. Uh, you got a bunch of takes on these guys, and I am pumped to be able to get into it. So let's not waste any time because I found out news before we started the show that we're going to have the Jets on hard knocks this year. The New York football Jets, now that Aaron Rodgers is in town, having had them on the Detroit Lions last year, I was really pumped about it. Are you excited to be able to see A.A. Ron be on hard knocks? Or is this one where you're like, ah, I can pass. I don't really care about this. Oh, I love it. I love it. Full New York media circus. I want the carnival barker. I want all the popcorn. I think it's going to be fantastic. The question is, how much Aaron Rodgers are we going to get and mm. I feel like at this stage of his career he's not holding much back no I let's hope that he doesn't that can make for some fun fireworks uh, especially if we do that so uh, I am with you on that it'll be a lot of fun to check out hard knocks with the Jets we'll see how everything transpires there with Aaron but one of the guys we're going to talk about we will see on hard knocks and Stefania has talked about him a handful of times we're going to talk about Brees Hall to start this all right Brees Hall I want to talk about from last year. Do you remember how good he was to start the season? He was running back eight through the first seven games of the season last year before he tore his ACL. Now with Rodgers being in New York, when you're approaching drafts and looking at the running back situation, how are you looking at Brees Hall understanding that he's coming back from this torn ACL? Okay, well, a couple of things, because yes, Brees Hall was fire, but do you remember the very beginning of the season when we had to live through the Michael Carter heartbeat of this offense? Yeah, you're right. I'm so glad that everybody who actually watched Brees Hall tape and factored in the draft capital used to acquire him ignored those rules. Unfortunately, the ACL, which I believe he suffered in week seven, is a complicating issue heading into this year. I, My personal take is that he will get back to his 18 to 20 touches per week, but it's probably not going to happen until after the Jets' week seven bye. Okay. So in looking at that, a little bit of trepidation, and obviously we've been waiting for Stefania a couple weeks ago on this podcast. She talked about how he hit 22 miles per hour running in a straight line, which is great. 
you got to do more than run in a straight line if you're going to be a running back in the National Football League. And so there is a little bit of that, making sure that he is back and cut, do all those things. Last year, though, Liz, I want to say this, in the seven games that he was active, and he got hurt in the middle of that week seven game. Amongst running backs with at least 80 carries, he was RB2 in yards per carry, just behind Nick Chubb. He was RB2 in rushes over 10 yards, only behind Nick Chubb. He was top six in targets, top three in goal-to-go rushes, and he was only running back 18 in touches, which showcases how efficient he was when he did get the ball and they were trusting him, not having to live through the heartbeat of that offense, which is Michael Carter. So I think the sky really is the limit. There is so much that Brees Hall could bring to the table. It's just how quickly will he get back? Back to that full form and what is this offense going to look like now that Aaron Rodgers is under center well there's a lot to deal with right there's a saying that I like to use in fantasy and that's evolution takes time so Aaron Rodgers might take a minute to get on the same page with Garrett Wilson and the rest of his receivers even though some of the old you know there's obviously the reunion tour that's happening Nathaniel Hackett being a part of that obviously but I also just feel like, to your earlier point, return to sport is different than return to prior level of performance mm-hmm. for an athlete, especially for an athlete like Brees Hall, who, I mean, his best attribute as a runner is that he knows how to find daylight and race towards it, right? He breaks arm tackles and he drags dudes with him. Last year, before the, I mean, last year before the injury and like on total on the season in comparison to all other running backs, he averaged nearly one and a half breakaway runs that and a breakaway run is considered a run over 15 yards per game and a juke rate of over 50%. So you're right. His efficiency is certainly part of his game and his athleticism and physicality is part of his game too. I think probably in terms of volume, he's going to be eased in, not worth noting. I mean, it is worth noting that early season matchups for the Jets include the Bills, the Chiefs, the Eagles. So those are some tough matchups. And then comes that bye. I think after that bye, both the volume and uh, his recovery level will be able to bounce back. But it's something to consider when you're drafting because obviously slow starts can ruin an entire season for fantasy managers. Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned that about his schedule. Kevin Paulsford actually just passed me this. And, And the start of that jet schedule is tough. Buffalo, Dallas, New England, Kansas City, Denver, Philadelphia, and then a bye. So, yeah, if you want to talk about starting off, maybe in a tough spot just from a schedule perspective, not alone, not let alone coming back from injury, it's really that second half of the year and that playoff push where Brees Hall could really be valuable to you. It's just making sure you've got someone to be able to fill in in case he does start a little bit slow. Or is he a, assuming we're correct in this, easing into the season strategy, theory, hypothesis. Is he someone that you make an immediate trade target? Oh, why spend the capital? If you have someone who has a hot start and just in the back of your mind, as you're drafting, avoid him and then target the hall manager around week five or even week six when he knows he's about to go on by and doesn't have somebody in week seven. Yeah. I, I, honestly, that's not a bad idea, Liz. You're thinking, I think you're playing chess right now and I'm still playing checkers with all of this, but that's what it's all about. You're right. Why use the draft capital? If you're like, Hey man, this is someone I could target knowing it's going to be a tough start to the season. Maybe I can get them after a couple of down weeks and you'll be able to get them on that upturn towards the second half. I, I like it, Liz Loza. All right, let's move on and talk about the next running back, J.K. Dobbins. 
checks in as my running back 27. I got a lot of things to say about JK, but I want to, I want to turn it over to you first. When you're approaching this Ravens backfield, specifically JK Dobbins, who is unhappy with his current contract situation. How are you approaching JK? Well, let me first say that I've been a Dobbins apologist since he was a Buckeye, right? Like this is one of my favorite players. I was high on him as a rookie um, and probably too high on him and stubborn about him over last summer. I think it's important that we discuss Dobbins injury history because it isn't your typical ACL tear, especially since we just talked about Hall and his recovery period, right? Like Dobbins sustained a grade three ACL tear in 2021, but he also suffered tears to his LCL hamstring and meniscus. So his timeline was more complicated than the average nine to 10 or nine to 12 months. And it wasn't really until after he had the arthroscopic quote cleanup surgery in week seven, which also required six weeks of rehab that he was actually able to rebound. So I think fantasy managers are maybe who were, who were a little burnt um, remembering that piece of last season and not the end of last season where he certainly seemed to be back to health and was performing quite, quite well even without Lamar Jackson under center. He did. And there are some, like, this is one of the things I've talking with Mike Clay about this, right? The talent, the skill we know is there for JK Dobbins. He's been uber efficient when he has gotten opportunities since entering the league. He is second with 5.9 yards per carry. That is an elite number. I mean, that's yep. crazy. The problem is he's missed more games than he's played in the NFL played his entire 15 games in his rookie year, missed his entire sophomore campaign. Like you just talked about, he missed eight games last year. He started off the season and then missed a bunch of games in the middle and then came back and closed out strong, right? Well, we had clues that that was going to happen, right? Like, again, I admitted that I was stubborn in July, but come August when you're actually drafting, I hope you're actually drafting. In, in August, August, yeah, don't July. draft before August, yeah. Um, but I think there were enough clues and you saw his ADP start to dip. So maybe people thought, well, he's a value here. And obviously I'm pretty sure that didn't ROI, but he did manage an average of 14 carries per contest over the final five games of the season, including uh, week 19. And to his efficiency point, he recorded uh, an efficiency metric of 6.55 yards per carry over those five contests. And he did that with Tyler Huntley, not Lamar Jackson. Yep. So I feel like, you know, is health an issue? Sure. He was incredibly durable in college. He's had a string of bad luck. I am willing, particularly in this offense, which I think you might feel a little bit differently than I do about, um, to see that efficiency bounce back. And it's a running back game, right? Like, this is one of the most volatile positions, if not the most brutal position um, in fantasy football. So, you know, you're always taking a risk with a running back. Well, I, and I think I am not, I'm not a huge JK Dobbins fan this year. Uh, and it's not about the talent. It's not about the player. It's just the situation. The team went and they gave Lamar Jackson for what seems like the first time in his career, legitimate pass catching options. They drafted another first round wide receiver. They brought in Odell Beckham Jr. We expect Mark Andrews to keep getting his. When I look at JK Dobbins, there are a few things that stand out to me that just with the situation, I don't love. He's not a pass catcher. He does not catch passes, right? And they gave more opportunities to Lamar Jackson with better pass catchers in this offense. Now he is only had two games in his entire career with 20 or more fantasy points only twice 
and he has never, never, never had more than 20 touches in a game. Never even reached 20 touches in a game. Everything is going to be well, about keeping him healthy, yeah. right? And that's a part of that, that, that injury concern. And so when I'm looking at the, that workload, when I'm thinking about, all right, if he's not going to reach 20 touches, what's the way for him to be able to like, be this, maximize his spot in my fantasy lineup? It's either scoring touchdowns or it's catching passes. And with him not catching passes, I just haven't seen enough touchdown equity for me to love him any more than like a value RB3 for me this year. Oh, a value RB3. I think he is going to see enough volume and be efficient enough to be an RB2. I, I understand the pass catching point. I also take a little bit of issue with the, well, he just doesn't do it. Just because a player hasn't done it doesn't mean, especially with a new offensive coordinator, can't do it. Josh Jacobs is a perfect example of that to me. But and there are new new pass catching weapons and the theory is that Lamar is going to spread the ball around more especially in the new offense in this new look offense but also old habits die hard and as much as the team clearly likes Gus Edwards Gus the bus mm -hmm. uh, who took a pay cut to stay with the team and yeah. had his own knee issues and as much as Justice Hill is like this change of pace option who frankly has seen the majority of his snaps on special teams JK Dobbins is the RB1 in an absolutely what should be at least lit offense so I, it sounds like no matter what, J.K. Dobbins won't be on a team of yours. I will probably bite and don't mind taking him as a dead zone pick in my, as like, a, 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 if I can get him as an RB3, I'm thrilled. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. He, from that perspective, he, if I get him as an RB3, like I'm going to be fine with it. You know, right. Okay. Think, thinking about how everything's going to work out. I think there's enough upside with everything. I don't disagree with the upside in that offense. It should be much better. There should be opportunity there for him because as you pointed out, there's, there's no one playing behind him at that running back position. That's really going to push for major touches. It feels like, so I, I can understand all that. I would just prefer in fantasy. Once I'm getting to that point to try to find a running back that has more pass catching upside and maybe in with this new offensive coordinator, that's going to change, but I would rather look at a guy like, let's say, Rashad White. Spoiler alert, this okay. is how we move forward. Rashad White comes in as my running back 20, and he's somebody else that we have a bunch of question marks on. I want to know how you feel about Rashad White in this Tampa Bay offense now that Tom Brady is gone, now that Leonard Fournette is no longer there. I think that there's good value, but there's also maybe not the greatest situation because the offense can be tough. So I know how I feel about Rashad White. How do you feel about him? I love him. He, in fact, is my favorite dead zone pick. So if somebody snipes me, it's going to be Dobbins. But I love White. Um, I understand there's concern about the efficiency of this offense in a post-Tom Brady era. But I still think that White could be a top 25 producer because of the lack of depth behind him. I mean, let's break it down. He's going to lead this backfield, right? Who else is there? Chase Edmonds? Cool. Uh, he has a career best 9.7 carries per game. I, I, I'm out on mm -hmm. Chase Edmonds. Yep. Keyshawn Vaughn, 91 career touches over three seasons. Patrick Laird and two undrafted free agents. That's what's behind Rashad White, who who upset Leonard Fournette, frankly, yeah. a lot last season because Uncle Lenny wasn't getting the ball in favor of the young guy. Yeah, I think even looking at that, right, Leonard Fournette had 70-some catches last year, and even with Leonard Fournette being there, Rashad White still brought in 50 balls. Like, that's the thing. As a pass catcher, he still showcased what he can do. Now, 
how much of that was Tom Brady being able to dump it off to the running back position versus what we're going to see from Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. That's something to be able to figure out. But with nobody else there in that backfield, as much as I don't love the situation because the situation is on a team that maybe won't score as many points as I would like, it also works into a fact that I think that they're going to be down a lot. They're not going to be a good team. So if they're going to have to be playing from behind because I think they're going to be down, a guy like Rashad White, perfect. And I, this is all you. I, I, I take this from you, Liz, as a, as a second uh, hero RB running back. Rashad White is fantastic because he's got that pass catching upside on a team that may have to use him late in the game that you're looking for if you're going to hold off for a second running back. So I'm totally with you and love what he could potentially be in this offense given where he is going in drafts. It's also worth mentioning that there's a new offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay as well, replacing Byron Leftwich, who happens to come from the Pete Carroll coaching tree. And if we know one thing about that offense, it is a proclivity towards running the ball. So yes, I agree with you in terms of um, chasing points and having a lead or salting the clock or any of that, probably not so much, but because of White's ability as a pass catcher and questions about not just the quarterback, but also Mike Evans, frankly, like it's not Mike Evans role to take quick dink and dunks, right? Like he's your big downfield contested catch guy. I think White could be um, like a safety valve, frankly, for Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield or whatever we end up with here. Absolutely. I'm totally with you. And with that, Mike Clay has him projected to be top 10 in targets at the running back position. So I think that projection is for it's going to be like he's seeing it. We're all seeing it. Love him as a later round running back to be able to target if you want to hold off on the zero RB situation. I think that's fantastic. Um, I think that Liz, I'm I don't want to do this. Cause I hate being negative. I was just negative about JK Dobbins. And then I was positive about Rashad white. I love being positive about players. I'm kind of out on cam makers this year. And I want to talk about this. Okay. Cam makers running back eight over the final seven games last year. If you're just thinking about the end of the season, there are so many things to love about what cam makers brought to the table from weeks 12 to 18, which was the fantasy playoffs. Mind you exactly when you wanted this kind of production, He was tied for first in rushing touchdowns, third in rushing yards, and had 100% of the Rams' goal-to-go carries. He was the guy that would get in the end zone if they were going to find a way to be able to get down into that goal-to-go territory. My concern, Liz, is similar to J.K. Dobbins. He doesn't really catch catch passes super well or at a high clip. Not that he can't but he at least didn't last year. And when all of that offensive production took place, there was no Matthew Stafford. There was no Cooper cup. Mike clay has this offensive line projected to be the 30th worst offensive line in the game. And so you're talking about a team that last year dead last in offensive yards per game. They're rushing 27th in rushing yards per game. There are so many things that just like build up to this situation where it's like as a non pass catcher, a guy that only came on towards the end of the year on one of the worst offenses in football. Cam Akers just falls in this really crappy spot where I don't really want to draft him again because of the situation, not because of the potential talent that the kid has. But this is the value game, right? Like nothing you said was wrong. In fact, heading into last season, I was the one who went on the marathon. You know, the ink on my contract wasn't even dry. And I said, it doesn't matter what you think about Cam Akers because Sean McVay loves him. Cue the Britney because things got toxic right after that. <laughs> Holy cow. 
They did. What a journey You're right. that we had to live through. Like they were Ross and Rachel's lobster and then they went on a break and then it's like the final episode and Acres is the guy again. The name of the game in fantasy is always value. Is this offense going to be efficient? Probably not. You make an excellent point about the offensive line, which I think was most of the team's undoing, frankly, last season as well, and was not was underestimated how, how much that offensive line and the shuffling that happened around it was going to affect negatively affect the rest of the the rest of the team. But let's talk about who else is there. The Rams spent a sixth round pick on Zach Evans and added Sony Michelle. And they're both going to add Kyron Williams and Ronnie Rivers. Williams, by the way, like I know the team really likes him, but he can't stay healthy. Mm. So tell me how Akers doesn't touch the ball 15 to 17 times per game. I mean, in theory, with this offense clicking the way that it should with a healthy Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, yeah, K-Makers would be the guy in that backfield because none of the rest of the guys really give me that any kind of pause, especially from a fantasy perspective. It's just whether or not Cam Akers can continue to stay healthy, and then we'll see how productive he can be based on what the offense does. But I hear you, and I was saying this. I was talking to Kevin Pulsifer before we started this, who's doing a bunch of research stuff for us now that uh, Kyle Sapi is no longer here. Again, shout out to Kyle. We love you, man. Miss you. Uh, but Kevin and I were talking about it before the show, and it, it, this is a situation where it feels like it gets to a point where sooner or later, like you said, a running back is going to be a value in fantasy drafts. And I can talk about how I don't love JK Dobbins, or I can talk about how I don't love cam Akers because of the reasons that we just talked about, but eventually it gets to a point where that guy is still going to be higher rated for me than someone else who has a lesser opportunity than this player. Because right now cam Akers definitely has RB one opportunity within this Rams backfield to be the RB one for the Rams. Not he can be an RB. Correct. Yeah. I mean, he's an R the quickest takeaway, like the the cliff notes, is that he's an RB3 for value-minded managers, yep. right? Like if you are willing to divorce yourself from the baggage that he absolutely comes with and just focus on his volume, which I think, you know, we get emotional as fantasy managers. Of course we do. This is our hobby. It's so much fun. Like you want to root for, you want to root for players. And so if you're able though to stay, uh, emotionally neutral and just look at his opportunity and his ADP and you are following either an anchor RB or zero RB strategy. Well, now he becomes a target. Liz, talk to me really quickly about the anchor RB or zero RB strategy, because it's something I know you have championed a bunch and I, I love it, especially this year with the way that some of the running backs are falling based on current ADP. I just want to give you the floor to be able to talk about it. I think it's an awesome build. So Robust RB is usually two running backs in your first three rounds, right? Yep. Anchor RB is you take one running back in rounds one through three, but that's it. Just one. You don't double up. You don't get crazy. You don't think, oh my gosh, Nick Chubb is falling to me. I got to do it. Then you wait to take your second RB until, and this is assuming you're in like a 12 team league. So do the math if you're in a league smaller than that or bigger. Um, you wait to take your second running back between rounds five and eight. And then you take a third running back kind of in the double digit rounds. That's it. You take three, you work trades, you work the waiver wire. You know that eventually uh, injuries will start to happen and you pounce knowing that that is going to be your strategy. So three running backs drafted, one in the top three rounds, one in rounds five through eight, and then your last one 
which is kind of a flyer, kind of like a Ramondre Stevenson of last year in the double digit rounds. Yeah, I love that. If you took Ramondre Stevenson or a guy like Jamal Williams as that late round guy, like, oh my gosh, they absolutely paid off for you. And that's what you're trying to find are some of those dart throws in that scenario. So I think this year there's a couple of really good options that you could do if you want to do a hero RB build. Uh, We will talk about some of those running backs actually coming up after the break. But first, Liz Loza. Take your shot at huge wins with DraftKings Sportsbook. You could win big money with money lines, props, parlays, and more. Right now, new customers can score $150 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5 on anything. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code FFF. That's code FFF. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. 467-369. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com, DraftKings.Sportsbook.com. DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after insurance. Eligibility and restriction and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Geico also asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. After all, who doesn't love a great deal? Am I right? And when it comes to great rates on insurance for all things in your life, Geico can help like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV, even help with your homeowner's, condo, or renter's coverage. You could save even more with a special discount when you bundle your coverages. Plus, add the easy-to-use Geico mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and choosing to switch to Geico becomes an easy choice. Switch today, see all the ways that you could save with great quotes and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent and get started seeing how much you could save. All right, Liz, I have a proclivity. Did I, did I use it right? Did you say I was, I've never, never used that word. I have a proclivity to, uh, to want to draft pass catching running backs in fantasy football. I had, I literally looked it up because uh, I have not used that word ever in my life. And I realized it's an inclination or predisposition towards a particular thing. And anytime there are two words that have more than 10 characters in the definition of the word, it still makes it really tough for me to figure out what's going on. But still, I love what the Eagles did in going out and getting a guy like DeAndre Swift to add to their backfield. So when I look at this Eagles backfield, I want to open the question up to you. They got Rashad Penny that they brought in who has been uber efficient when healthy and out there on the field. The health part is the concern. We have DeAndre Swift who when healthy has been unbelievably efficient as a pass catcher, a literal PPR monster but the health is the concern. So you have these two running backs that have been crazy efficient coming now to an Eagles offense that runs the ball a ton. How do you approach both DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny understanding that they still have a guy named Jalen Hurts who's going to get his own on the ground? A couple of things. Uh, Love the way that you laid it out. Also really appreciate your willingness to learn new things. We never stop learning and growing. Humans and fantasy analysts. Um, so here's what I have learned about both of these running backs. Okay. They have complementary skill sets, which means they're going to be used in tandem. And you mentioned DeAndre Swift's pass catching prowess. 
please look up prowess. It's going to make me so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Swift, to your point, has averaged nearly four catches and nearly 30 receiving yards per game over his career. So while Rashad Penny has a career efficiency of 5.7, I believe, yards per carry and 5.9 in 2022, um, the advantage for me is going to go to Swift. Also, both of these backs are uh, have some have some durability issues. But if you're doing the math, DeAndre Swift has 156, I believe, more touches in three years than Penny has over five seasons. Yeah. So again, advantage to Swift. And not for nothing. Here's the part though that Penny gets really interesting. This offensive line is going to be fire. And so now both backs have a little bit of a boost there as well. And I'm, you know, is the score, the touchdowns are going to be hard to predict because of Jalen Hurts and his proclivity again mm-hmm. for uh, poaching the goal line. But I think ultimately in PPR friendly formats, even if it's just half point PPR, Swift gets my vote. I'm totally with you on all of that. I, I think in looking at that, if the, if they, the NFL, had outlawed that play, then I think we might be looking at these running backs a little bit differently. But with the way that that Jalen Hurts push at the goal line is going to be allowed oh, okay. as another thing this year, right? Like that, that means that we still expect, and Mike is, Mike Clay is still projecting like Jalen Hurts to have eight to 10 to 12 rushing touchdowns again this year. So I am, I am fully with you. I think Rashad Penny feels like, and I don't want to, I don't want to use the word injury prone. I'm going to say it. But like he's he's had problems staying healthy, right? But Rashad Penny feels like an injury-prone Nick Chubb, where he is just uber efficient. He runs through tackles. His yards per carry are unbelievable. But he doesn't really catch passes. That's not a part of his game, right? Sure. And unless yeah. he gets in the end zone, you're talking about needing someone that's going to get you a hundred rushing yards every because they're not adding anything in the passing game. So he kind of feels like a Nick Chubb light from that perspective. Whereas DeAndre Swift, you know. I was frustrated last year. DeAndre Swift was running back 13 in fantasy points per game. And that's how we have to talk about Swift and fantasy is on a per game basis because of the amount of time that he's missed. Cause it just happens every single year, right? Since entering the league, he's top three in targets and receiving yards and he's top five in reception. So he is, he is that guy that catches a ton of balls, but he's missed three years in every single year of his career. And last year, to your point about being able to stay on the field, He only had 147 touches in his 13 games. They were trying to preserve his health. That was 10 and a half touches per game, which is running back 39 on the season. So now our expectations have been reset. They have to be. Last year we see Jamal Williams and we see DeAndre Swift. There's still this hope that DeAndre Swift will, will be used as maybe not an every down option, but a close to every down option. And now in Philadelphia, we know that's not going to happen. We know when we look at what Rashad Penny does well, that these two, that, that, that Swift is never going to be an 18 touch per game kind of guy. Yep. You, it, now that we have like the level set, I think we can, we can adjust our expectations and see where he's being drafted and know that it's the pass catching. I mean, also it's worth it is worth mentioning though that you know Philadelphia does have three excellent pass catchers in their receiving duo and tight end. So I, I don't know. Uh, here's what I do know: Detroit 
Detroit had DeAndre Swift catch an average of, I believe, 3.4 catches per game. And they didn't even like him. Yeah. So what I think he can catch at least three per game on average. That's about 50 on the season. So if I have a running back who's catching 50 balls, I'm smiling 50 balls in an offense that is as efficient and as productive as Philadelphia's is Swift. Surprisingly to me has had at least five rushing touchdowns in every single year of his career, in spite of not being a guy that we look at as being like a big rushing touchdown guy. So if you tell me that with his passing game work, he can also give me upwards of four five, six plus touchdowns. I'll take that every day of the week. And again, he becomes a value for me because of that pass catching ability in an offense that should score almost more points than any, any other team in the league. That's just how I. Okay. So real quick on Penny, then without looking at Mike Clay's projection over under five and a half touchdowns for Rashad Penny under Rashad Penny has only topped three rushing touchdowns one time in his NFL career. So I think assuming he stays healthy, assuming he stays healthy. And again, if the NFL had outlawed that Jalen hurts play, then I think we would be in a spot where like, maybe we would look at this differently. So Mike clay does project him for six touchdowns for what it's worth. Mike just wants to troll me. That's really all that Mike's job is here at ESPN fantasy is just to troll me. Uh, But with that being said, like those are clearly the top two running backs. Do you have anything as far as Kenneth Gainwell or Boston Scott, because they just sort of feel like guys in the backfield that are going to be more NFL useful. They're not going to be anything for us when it comes to fantasy. I mean, they might be useful if and when one of these two guys, guys gets, gets hurt. Injured. If they both get injured at the same time, then we'll have another conversation, but they're not being drafted. And so therefore, I don't think we need to entertain it. If I was going to pick one of them between the two, I would think that let's say Penny or Swift get hurt. It feels like Kenny Gainwell would be the guy that I would rather have because of both his rushing ability and his pass catching upside over Boston Scott. But we're talking way down the line and hopefully nobody gets hurt. Right. Fingers crossed. Um, all right, let's talk about one more like serious backfield, serious, serious backfield. Liz Loza, the best backfield in all of fantasy football last year. Do you know who it was? Uh, I believe you're going to talk about your Detroit, my Detroit. I love the way you led into that. My Detroit lions. That is right. Had two top 20 running backs last year, two top 20 running backs with Deandre Swift and all of that injury uh, risk that we talked about as well as Jamal Williams who scored a metric boatload of touchdowns last year. And so now the Lions used their number 12 overall pick on Jameer Gibbs, and they don't care what you think about it because they went out and they got the guy that they wanted to draft. They also brought over your former running back in David Montgomery. And I think David Montgomery is absolutely going to fill in this Jamal Williams role Potentially not as well of, I mean, he's not going to score 17 touchdowns, I don't think, this year. But he's a much better pass catcher than Jamal was. And I think he's still going to be very valuable. Again, someone I really like as a hero RB, like RB2 build, if you want to grab someone late in drafts around that Rashad White area. When you're looking at this Lions backfield, do you think there's a possibility with a rookie and David Montgomery that they can have two top 25 running backs again within fantasy football? Absolutely. 100%. Also worth noting, and I know we mentioned it a couple of months ago during free agency, but the Lions went all in on their defense. You know it better than anyone else. And if their defense, I think if their defense is bolstered, their running game will also be bolstered. There's an opportunity to kind of salt down the clock a little bit here. I am less, you know, I think probably the overall production that Jared Goff saw via the air will regress 
assuming that defense ROIs like the team and everybody else is expecting it will. I think that makes David Montgomery a really not exciting, but really high floor, high value option inside the top 25. And as for Gibbs, I mean, he is an RB2 with RB1 upside. His ability as a pass catcher, I mean, this is a this is a player with rare acceleration, 91st percentile burst score, and a natural pass catching ability. He recorded over 100 grabs at Alabama, right? Also, Alabama, not, you know, uh, over here state or whatever. Correct. Correct. So I think that his work as a receiver just makes him so valuable in PPR friendly formats. I, I am totally with you. And if he had caught a hundred balls at like Southern Mississippi Christian state, it would be a different idea, yeah. but he played it freaking Alabama, right? Against the best of the best coming into this situation. And I, it very much feels like David Montgomery is going to be that guy that they lean on between the tackles, right? Yep. They want him to be that guy to fill in that Jamal Williams role. But by the way, he's got more upside in the passing game than Jamal Williams does. That doesn't, that doesn't phase out anything that Jameer Gibbs can potentially do in this offense because of the fact that Jameer Gibbs is a game breaker. I mean, you look at everything that he did in college, like you talked about, you look at that explosive speed. There was a reason why they wanted to go out and get him. They don't look at him like a running back. And I know that this has like become the cliche thing that people talk about now, but he's an offensive weapon. It's like, forget about the position. We're going to put the ball in this kid's hands and we're going to find a way to manufacture touches for him because of all the things that he can do on the field. And it, the hype on Jameer Gibbs is one of those things. And it's tough for me as a Lions fan, because I want to be really excited about this, right? But I do think we have to be careful not to let the hype get out of control because it is still a rookie running back coming in to be able to figure out the pro game. But I agree with everything that you said. If, if David Montgomery wasn't there, I think we would be looking at a guy that would be a top 12, like pretty easily right off the bat. You know, if it was just Jameer Gibbs backfield and, and not splitting time. So I love this in fantasy, though. I love this among fantasy managers. It's like, oh, I don't know. He's a rookie. Like, running back, running back rookies, different story. Wide receivers where there's detailed route trees to consider. Fine. This is a running back. A running back in 2023 that was drafted by the team 12th overall that already had DeAndre Swift, who, by the way, we said was on pace to catch 50 balls at an average of three catches per game. That translates to Gibbs. It is so clear what the team and Campbell likes him. Imagine having a pass catching running back with first round draft capital that the head coach who bites kneecaps actually adores. Yeah. What is there not to love? I love, love being in leagues with these dusty heads who are like, I don't draft any rookie running backs. No, that's too much of a risk for me. Cool. Get in your Buick. Take a ride. I'll take the chance. I don't know what a dust head is. Hold on, I'm looking that up real quick. No, come on. Okay, all right. So when I uh, when I'm thinking about this, though, I think you're right, Liz Loza. Uh, like I'm totally with you. I, I all I'm saying is sometimes rookie hype. Just because it's rookies, we haven't seen it. It's that sexy thing that we don't know yet. We haven't uncovered like what is the gem that is Jameer Gibbs, and maybe it is exactly what we're thinking, right? I think because of that, sometimes we just get really excited. All I'm saying is, especially for me as a Lions fan, I've got to temper sometimes that expectation to not lean in too much on what this could potentially be because there is still someone else named David Montgomery who's a pretty stinking good running back in his own right that he's going to be sharing that backfield with. 
Sure, he absolutely is. But there, but there is no comparing David Montgomery's upside to Jameer Gibbs. Okay, let me ask you this question. Heaven forbid, happens. Uh, David Montgomery ends up going down, and is, this is basically Jameer Gibbs' backfield. Jameer Gibbs, at the end of the year, you're thinking what for Jameer Gibbs? Running back 15, running back 12, running back 10. Is he top 10? I mean, I think that Gibbs has top 10 potential. I'm not going to draft him there. No, nope, no, that's fair. I, right? I, but, I, like, I think that Gibbs has top 10 potential. I would never imagine a scenario where David Montgomery has anything above, like, top 23 potential. Okay, so if Jameer Gibbs unfortunately gets hurt in this offense and the backfield is just David Montgomery's, you think that he still wouldn't be anything more than a top 25 running back with this room to himself. I think I, I disagree think with you. Probably, maybe he could crawl into like top 22, top 23. But no, I mean, if you look at the way he was utilized, and I'm a Bears fan, right? I just don't think he has that sort of upside in him. Um, I think he is reliable and has a very high floor and volume has always been the name of the game. I mean, I will say that David Montgomery over the course of his career has really improved versus his rookie season, but I just don't think that he is going to, I, I don't see him being used as an every down option, sure. um, including uh, on, on passing downs. That's fair. Okay. And to be fair, Liz, you're used to seeing bad offenses. So I understand it comes with a yeah. little bit of that. You know what I mean? Like it's, I, I get that. You're not used to watching the lions, you know, high powered offense every Sunday. I watch him twice a year. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> That's, yeah, you do watch it twice a year. That's fair. All right. We're going to talk about our biggest fantasy question marks heading into 2023. That's our running back conversation. And by the way, we're going to be talking about these running backs all off season long. It is July. We have a lot of time left to figure out what's going to happen with these guys, how much their ADP is going to move throughout the off season as well, going up and down based on what happens in training camp, training camp, and what we hear from coaches, uh, but all that to say, Liz, I think I love talking to you about running backs. I love listening to all the things that you bring to the table, especially because I am following your hero RB build in our uh, Scott Fishbowl League, which we will talk about in a little bit. But now let's talk about the biggest question marks heading into 2023. I want to open it up for you. You had brought forth the 49ers offense. And so I'm just going to set the table. When you're looking at the 49ers now led by Brock Purdy, it seems like he want they want him to be the guy. How are you sussing out what to make of this offense from a fantasy perspective with a guy like Brock Purdy under center? So we all say like a guy like Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. But Brock Purdy is also in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And I asked Kevin Pulsifer to like, do a little bit of digging for me because, you know, when you see Brock Purdy, you think, right, well, he was like, like the luck ran out eventually and he couldn't possibly be that good. His average depth of target was just 6.9 yards uh, and he had a mere 5.3% of his of his attempts surpassed 20 yards, right? That's That's pretty low. But then you think like, okay, well, what does Kyle Shanahan do really well? What did he do with Jimmy Garoppolo? A lot of quick, short passes, right? That was, that's the, this whole offense re relies on yards after the catch, which becomes all the more clear when you have players like, oh, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, CMC, right? Like those are yak monsters in each of their, uh, in each of their roles. And so I don't really think that, 
it's going to matter. In fact, when I looked at Ayuk, who I loved last season and, you know, mentioned a couple of months ago that I was still going to be high on in 2023, regardless of the quarterback situation, he's coming off of a career season in which he caught 78 balls for over a thousand yards and eight touchdowns was the wide receiver 15 overall. His average yards per target with Jimmy Garoppolo was eight with Brock Purdy, 8.9 yards per target. Ooh, okay. So yes. So the math is that, oh, well, maybe over a, an extended amount of time, Purdy's A dot would not necessarily, you know, blow up or, or blossom to a huge number, but could grow as comfortability reps, et cetera, were to grow. Also worth noting that Ayuk's catch rate, yards per reception, yards per route run, percentage of plays over 20 yards were also all better with Brock Purdy under center than Jimmy Garoppolo. So you said a lot of positive things there. I'm trying to think about it, whether or not I want to say the negative things I want to say, Liz, because I, no, I, I two players that I'm out on. Okay. That's fair. I think, I think my concern when you talk about the 49ers offense like that is you listed a lot of mouths that we expect to be involved in fantasy. I mean, like George Kittle's a uh, top five tight end, top seven, at least yeah, easy. He's my bust of the year. Though. Right. That's fair. Debo Samuel is still a top 20 wide receiver, top 25. Brandon Ayuk, we want to see more from because we think that there's like a heck of a lot more to that player, especially in fantasy that we can under uh, uncover CMC is going to get his. And so when I look at this offense, I don't think Brock Purdy is going to be throwing 300 yards and three touchdowns a game. So like, while I love what this could potentially be individually, I don't know if he has enough to be able to spread it around to all of those guys for it to not be something that it already has been, which is basically CMC is going to get his own. And then pick a week. Is this the George Kittle week? Is this the Debo Samuel week? Is this the Brandon Ayuk week? Because I don't feel like there is enough, at least from what we saw in Brock Purdy's game, to necessarily support a bunch of guys that are going to be in that like tier one at their position within fantasy. Is that fair? Well, not with that defense. Not with that defense either. Um, but I also don't think any of these, I mean, other than CMC, who's the one overall, right? Like, I don't sure. think anyone's debating. But Christian McCaffrey is the engine that runs this offense. His connection with Kyle Shanahan is. All right. I mean, he does have a better connection to Kyle Shanahan than Liz apparently had with whatever program we were using. So I'm going to really quickly wait for Liz to come back uh, because she just dropped out. And I'm going to talk about my biggest fantasy question mark for 2023. Although I wish Liz was here because I want to talk about her Chicago Bears. Justin Fields and DJ Moore for me are two massive question marks heading into this year. Justin Fields was drafted in the 16th round last year of ESPN fantasy drafts. He turned that into a top five finish at the quarterback position, and he did it solely by using his legs uh, over 1100 rushing yards, eight rushing touchdowns. I know the bears added DJ Moore, And even I have talked about how much that can potentially unlock Justin Fields because potentially it can, but the question mark is, is there enough in this passing game where the bears are going to change the way that they use Justin Fields in order for him to step up and make that bigger step as a passer while still keeping that unbelievably high rushing floor and ceiling. I think in looking at, Oh, and I am being told now Liz Loza has returned. Liz, are you back? Is this true? 
Yeah, I am back. All right. Sorry about that. We, um, I promise that we're going to have someone pay the bill so that we don't get cut off next time that this happens. Uh, but let's finish out really quickly. 49ers. Do you remember where we had finished? I do. I, I think CMC is the engine of this offense. There's no denying that his connection with Kyle Shanahan is legitimately generational. He is going to get his, he is fully unlocked. We are not in Carolina anymore. I'm also, like I said, high on Ayuk, who by the way, was at camp and Debo still wasn't. So Debo to hit, I, th I think Debo is probably going to be a bust again. I don't think there's enough volume for him to return to his 2021 splendor or glory. George Kittle also concerns me, but if I am investing in this offense, I'm less worried about it being Brock Purdy or somebody else. I have faith in Kyle Shanahan and I am faith in CMC. And I do think Ayuk will have his like bummer weeks, but as a wide receiver too, then I am happy with that value. So in thinking about it really quickly, I think I'm, I'm with you now. I'm looking at ADP for 49ers. And mind you, again, it's July. This ADP is going to change a bunch as we get into actual draft season, right? But if I'm picking a 49er, it's either CMC in the top half of my first round, or I am bypassing Debo and George Kittle altogether and waiting for Brandon Ayuk, who I can get in the 10th round of fantasy drafts. Fantastic. And if, and if I can get him as wide receiver 34, I think the upside that you're talking about is way higher than wide receiver 34. And if he doesn't pan out, it's a 10th round pick and somebody that is not going to crush me or ruin my league because of where I spent that draft capital. Right. So yep. fully with you on all of that. I led into my biggest fantasy question, Mark, which was wanting to talk about your Chicago bears and Justin Fields. We talked about how good he was last year. Here's the thing. No team threw the ball less than the Chicago bears last year. No team in the NFL. In spite of that, he was quarterback six in off-target percentage. And you don't want to know the five quarterbacks that were in front of him because they weren't good names. It's, it was bad. So when I look at DJ Moore coming over to this offense, I think DJ Moore is going to do more for Justin Fields, being able to give him a better like passer upside because Justin Fields' legs aren't going to go anywhere. He's going to keep being the athlete that he was. I don't think Fields is going to offer or reciprocate that same kind of fantasy value for DJ Moore, in spite of the fact that I think that Moore can be a legitimate wide receiver one, a guy that could be a top 12 wide receiver if he had like true like QB one passing game quarterback play. I just think that this is a spot where Justin Fields is going to benefit more from DJ Moore than DJ Moore benefits from Justin Fields. I mean, I, even... I would ask you... To, like, I, I hear you on that. And there is um, certainly, I, I think your ability to be in on DJ Moore is reliant on your ability to believe that Justin Fields can take a step forward in his, pa as a passer. Similarly, yep. because last year I coined the phrase baby Jalen Hurts. Like, I don't know if he's going to take a step that forward because there's efficiency issues within the offense. And there are certainly, uh, there's there's talent issues at skill position players. So, so I'm not sure that the leap will be that grand, but you know, fields pass attempts per game jumped from 19.4 per week from weeks one to seven to 22.8 over the last eight games of the season. So there was an opportunity and there was more volume sent his way. I also feel like as it, as it relates to DJ Moore, I mean, this is a player who has gone over 100 targets for four straight seasons and also cleared a thousand yards in three of his last four campaigns. And 
he did that work with hold on this name this list of names is incredible kyle allen teddy bridgewater sam darnold baker mayfield pj walker no thank you and just better than all those guys he uh, he absolutely is right and that's where the when we talk about the potential there is a potential for DJ Moore to really benefit from Justin Fields taking the next step as a passer. And Justin Fields can take the next step as a passer because he has someone like, like DJ Moore, right? It's just how much of that is going to happen this year versus potentially the next two or three years. Because Jalen Hurts, by the way, Jalen Hurts had uh, AJ Brown. He had Devonta Smith. He had Dallas Goddard. Like the offense around him was just way more explosive than what Chicago's is. So it's going to be a bigger uphill battle. Same with, I made the comparison to, to Josh Allen, where like, if he can get, you know, become a better passer, he can go into that Jalen hurts, Josh Allen category as a fantasy quarterback. I'm not saying like NFL, he's going to be the same guy, but from fantasy points on the field, he could reach that. I think if you get into that spot, so I don't know, it's a tough one because I think, I think I really love Justin Fields. I'm excited to see him hopefully take the next step as a passer because he was so fun to watch last year. The Bears just don't have a ton of pass catchers that I'm super thrilled with. Cole Komet was their highest scoring fantasy pass catcher last year as a tight end. Like that's not how you get it done. Darnell Mooney did not do a whole lot for me. Chase Claypool feels like a disaster. Okay, so wait a second, though. So Darnell Mooney, I got a lot of hate from fellow Chicago fans. I went into last year saying that Darnell Mooney is not an alpha. Like, that's just not his job, and he's being positioned as an alpha this season. Similarly, by the way, to the way that Devonta Smith was positioned as an alpha, and it wasn't until A.J. Brown joined him on the opposite side of the field that he could really shine and do what he does best. Sounds like I you think right. Mooney's ability will absolutely increase when you have – uh, a receiver like DJ Moore with veteran savvy and and route running skills on the opposite side of the field. So I do think the efficiency of this offense, and I'm not comparing them to Philadelphia because there's an obvious drop off, but I think the efficiency will improve once everybody gets to do their job the way they're supposed to do their job. Darnell Mooney, currently wide receiver 55 being drafted in the 16th round. He is basically free right now in fantasy drafts. So it's not like it costs a whole lot to uh, go out and get somebody. And and that's a fair conversation. If, if DJ Moore is going to get his own, if there's going to be a better opportunity for Darnell Mooney to find his role within this offense, getting him here 16th round, not a bad spot to be able to get somebody for basically free that has some upside to his game. All right, we have one more live read, and then we're going to take a few questions from our social setup. But first, we all know about the speed of sound, but you ever thought about the sounds of speeding? If you drive over the speed limit, there are lots of different sounds you might hear. Drive too fast, you could hear the sound of your vehicle crashing. The sound of ambulance and first responders desperately trying to free you from the wreckage. You could hear the beeps of a heartbeat monitor. You could hear doctors and nurses in an emergency room as you are being treated for your injuries. You could hear the sound of worried family members in the hospital waiting room, hoping to hear that you're okay. You could even hear the sound of people crying at a funeral, because if you drive over the speed limit, whether by a lot or by a little, you can do damage that's beyond repair. You could seriously injure yourself, or worse, you could hurt or even kill someone else. So when you speed, you put everyone on the road in danger. One way or another, speeding catches up to you. Paid for by the NHTSA. All right, Liz Loza, really quickly, we're going to take a couple of questions. But first, you have your Scott Fishbowl draft that is going to take place. You're doing a live draft in Scott Fishbowl this year, I think, with Fantasy, in collaboration with Fantasy Cares. Is that correct? 
Yeah, it's actually the live draft is at the Trophy Smack headquarters here in Southern California. So me and a car full of my LA buddies are traveling down together. Um, Trophy Smack always puts on an incredible event. I went last year. We'll draft live. I'm in the Randy's Donuts division. And uh, yeah, my, I'm, I'm driving down with Tom Everett Scott, uh, James Roday, Garrett Lerner, um, and it'll be... It's going to be a hoot. I'm really looking forward to it. Wait a second. You're road tripping with shades? Is that what you just said? You and well, Tom Ever Scott? Oh my gosh. We did it last year. I love Tom. He is my favorite for the record. I've watched that thing you do 6,000 times. I've also watched a bunch of other movies he's in, so it's not just that one thing. But I'm a uh, big Tom Ever Scott fan. Bigger Liz Loza fan, though. I do want to say right. that. Yeah, of course. Uh, Kevin Pulsifer just gave me this note in the last 15 picks of his Scott Fishbowl draft today was J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, Rashad White, David Montgomery, and DeAndre Swift. All the running backs we talked about. It's like people are just listening to the show today, Liz. I think that's what I'm taking away from this. Uh, if you... If, if you, those are all dead zone, if those are all sort of being dead zone being drafted in the same general area, now we have given everyone a rundown so listeners can pick their favorites or rank them accordingly. Heck yeah. I I love Scott Fishbowl and I don't want to spend too much time talking about it, but this is, I do want to say like Scott does one, this is one of the greatest things that happens the entire fantasy season. Scott Fishbowl as a league is incredible. All put on by Scott Fish and so much that he is able to help with when we're talking about donations to charity and being able to look out for other people. Like Scott is a genuine human. Go follow him at scottfish24 on Twitter. I'm sure he's on other things like threads and whatnot. I just don't know what his handles are, but go find Scott Fish. You can find him, I'm sure. Uh, and I want to say this. It's a, Scott Fishbowl feels like the start of fantasy season, right? We're at a spot right now. You should not be drafting other leagues. Don't go in and be like, oh, let's start our, our fantasy draft right now. You need to be waiting until August, mid-August, early September to be doing that. But this is a league that has 3,000 people across the entire industry, a bunch of industry people, a bunch of random people. It's so much fun bringing people together that we start this draft now. And it's like the unofficial kickoff to fantasy football because we get three weeks of these drafts to be able to like have things to talk about, to talk with our friends and our producers and everybody that we agree or disagree with on these picks And it really leads us into the fantasy season. We're waiting for training camp and it just gives us something to be able to focus on. So shout out to Scott and everything that he does, fantasy cares and all the things that they also help contribute to this unbelievable cause that Scott puts on every year. So with that being said, uh, I want to take a couple of questions we have for social media. A lot of what we've talked about, I have news and I have talked about from a Scott Fishbowl perspective because I have drafted a bunch of these guys. I drafted David Montgomery in my league because of the things that we talked about. So, uh, again, just go out and follow Scott because he's awesome and it's totally worth a follow. All right. First question that we have coming from Twitter, they're going to throw up on the screen here for us to be able to see. Comes from Chase. For a 10-team PPR league, what position do you like best and which one is the worst? If you are going to be drafting... Liz, do you want to be at the front half of the draft? Do you want to be in the middle so that you don't have to get worried about being sniped on any runs? Do you like being at the back 10, 11, 12 turn? How do you like drafting? I generally like to be in a 10-team league at the 10 spot. I know that statistically the first overall pick is usually the best, and maybe I'm having too much recency bias about Jonathan Taylor as the consensus 101 last year, but I like to be the last pick so that I can double up. Also, I don't have much patience. Uh, and I don't like, you know, having to wait in the middle. Yeah, I, I'm at a spot. I think I like being at the 
like three, two, three, four area because it, it allows me this year to get either Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, CMC, or you know Austin Eckler, Tyreek Hill. Getting one of those top guys, I feel like gives gives you such a, a floor to be able to draft the rest of your team from. So I I like being at the front half of drafts, but um, that's where I'm at. All right, we got one more question here from Twitter. Question comes in from our friend. Bradley wants to know, where would you feel comfortable drafting Devontae Adams? Talent, obviously unquestionable. Jimmy G has produced good fantasy wide receivers in the past, but we still don't know if he's going to be healthy enough or he just won't produce as he has in the past. Liz, how are you approaching Devontae Adams, and are you worried about him now having Jimmy Garoppolo rather than Derek Carr under center? I mean, do we really think that Jimmy Garoppolo is that much of a step down from Derek Carr? Like, Derek Carr's last season was a disaster. And obviously McDaniels has familiarity with Jimmy Garoppolo. And uh, I think this year, uh, the focus of the offense is going to be on a lot of similarly to the way that Jimmy was used in San Francisco, like short passes, mid range passes. Um, Devonte Adams has proven to be an incredible talent. Like I, I don't see where he can't drag an average quarterback into production my biggest concern frankly is the strength of schedule that the Raiders have it's pretty tough so that's what I'm mostly concerned with but I would still draft Devontae Adams just outside of my top five wide receivers um, probably you know uh, in the first half of the second round I think that's where I'm at as well when I'm looking at wide receivers in that area here's the thing does any wide receiver in the NFL get open better than Devonte Adams, right? And Jimmy Garoppolo is not a scrub. It's not like he's playing with someone under center that we have to worry about. Like Jimmy Garoppolo can find the open guy. And when that guy is Devonte Adams, it makes me have a little, quite a bit less fear actually because of just how good he is as a wide receiver. So I'm with you. I don't think there's enough from an NFL perspective. Maybe there is a drop off from, from Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo, but in fantasy, and that's still a maybe in fantasy. I don't think it's going to impact Devonte enough for it to be worth it. Also the volume. Let's just talk about that really quickly. Cause there's no Darren Waller. So yeah. if you're looking at this offense in terms of like, which of these pass catchers are unlike the others, right? You've got Jacoby Myers. You've got Hunter Renfro. You've got a lot of guys who do a similar thing. You only have one Devonte Adams and you no longer have a Darren Waller. So from a volume perspective and a high, not just number of targets, but high value targets perspective, Devonte Adams is the clear winner. Heck yeah. Liz, I love doing this show with you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your Wednesday to come and hang out with me. I know you don't have a proclivity for things like this, but I think we should make it, it one. I don't know. Does that count? Is that We should make it a proclivity? I don't a think we can say that. You always get an A for effort. I, I appreciate that. Liz, tell everybody where they can find you in case for some reason they are not finding you on social media or in case they are looking for their WNBA fix because you have been locked down on WNBA content right now. Yes, the WNBA All-Star Game slash Break for Fantasy is this week, but I just wrote a Risers and Fallers column that went live on the website today. So please check that out. WNBA is so much fun. By the way, if you live in a, a town or a city that has a WNBA team, go take your family. I took my littles at the end of June to a Sparks game and my son, who is spoiled and has been to Lakers games, Clippers games, Rams games, Big smile on his face, plays baseball, loves sports, said that was his favorite live sports experience of his life. So please go see WNBA games. They are so family friendly and the vibe is absolutely lit. It's a great option for families. 
but you can follow me on social at Liz Loza underscore FF. I haven't done the threads thing because I'm like, I was on vacation. So I guess that's going to come next. Going to have to come next. Yeah, that's fair. We're we're all getting there right now. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniel Dopp. I am on Instagram and threads at something to break. I've been doing a big deep dive. If you do not follow me on social media, I'm 75 day countdown until the start of the season. I am running through Mike Clay's highest projected players. So please follow me there if you want to see me talk about a single player every day until we get to the start of the season. It's been a lot of fun. I've, I've really enjoyed it. All right. With all that being said, don't forget to love each other. Please take care of yourself. You've earned that right. We love you so much. For Liz, my name is Daniel. And everyone else behind the scenes, can't wait to see you guys next Wednesday. See ya. Liz, you're better than Mike Clay ever was. Not good. It's no secret, not a mystery. The one that we depend on for all our podcast needs. Graduate, full sell you. Alliance fan through and through With the hippest beard, I'm telling you He's Daniel Dopp Who's that? Who's that swirl? Who's that swirl?